What's up, everybody? I am your host, a monkey infected with rage, and that is my co-host, a church zombie priest. And today, we are covering the movie that brought the zombie genre back from the dead, 2002's 28 Days Later. Now, I'm going to go ahead and come clean. Just going to get it out there before you call me on it, because I know you're dying to call me out on it. I hated this movie in the past. I believe my exact words. You can tell me if if these are wrong or not, but that movie sucks. Yeah, yeah, that's that's <laughs> that's pretty accurate. Yeah, I believe that was my exact quote. It was a quite quite some time ago, but uh, I believe that's what I said. But let me explain. So the reason that I picked this movie, I picked it was because when I originally seen it, I was like 15 or 16. Um, I thought the beginning was awesome, but then it got boring. I thought the whole movie was going to be like the beginning. Uh, then they go on like the road trip, and then they go to the mansion. Uh, I also hated like the look of the movie. So yeah, I didn't like it. Wow, you hated the look. Back at that time, I did. Wow. I just thought that it looked like shit. And I was just like, you know, I, I don't, I just don't get it. And that stuck with me for a long time. That opinion was with me for, for quite some time. Uh, but a few years ago, I started to realize that the teenager me was dumb and uh, wrong about a lot of shit. And I probably need to give the movie another shot. So. Here we are. Now, I had seen like bits and pieces of the movie like over the years, but this was my first full watch since I was in like ninth grade, probably. Well, this was my first full watch of my entire life because I was also <laughs> a stupid teenager and put too much in what my brother thought. Uh, uh, I trusted your opinion and you led me wrong. Yeah. Um, I we we you know we just talked about it a little bit before we started the show, but I didn't see the movie when it first came out, and I, I mean I think I've seen it years after it had come out, but um, I had seen Dawn of the Dead right before this movie, uh, the remake, and I thought it was going to be like that, and when it wasn't like that badass, I was just disappointed. Well. I mean, in all fairness, that is one of the best zombies movies to ever exist. Uh, they can't all be the best. There's only one spot at the top. Yeah, that that movie has like constant action and constant zombies. This movie does not. Um, they're very different movies. And uh, also, I know that a lot of people are like, they're not zombies in 28 Days Later, so... They're like, oh, they're they're infected. They're infected with the rage virus. That's uh, a fucking zombie. Yeah, I I think that that's the same thing to me. But you know, I get it. I get you know, people have that opinion. Don't they call them infected in The Walking Dead? Yeah, and they're zombies. Yeah, they're definitely. Uh, these are zombies. If you ran into one of these motherfuckers on the street, you would be like, oh shit. That's a zombie. Shoot it in the fucking head. Yeah, it's it's too fine of a line for me. I would consider 28 Days Later a zombie movie. But if you're one of them people that 
disagrees with that, then you know that that's your that's your stance. That's fine. I, I I'm not gonna say you're wrong or or I'm wrong. I think it's you know whatever. You're just being nice at this point. Well, everybody everybody has the right to their own opinion, even if their opinion's wrong. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I uh, decided to give this one a another shot, and um, I'm not gonna say if my opinion changed or not. We'll we'll wait till we get to the to the end. Well, you kind of already told us your opinion changed when you said I was stupid teenager. No, that I, I no, that was my thought process of why I needed to give it another shot because you know there was movies that I I didn't look at things. Like movies the same way when I was younger. I didn't really understand film or um, I didn't really care about deep storylines or, or anything like that. Or um, I didn't really understand why they would film a movie and it look like a movie like this. I yeah. didn't get that kind of stuff. I feel as if even if your opinion about the rest of the movie didn't change, I know your opinion on that changed. The cinematography wise. As far as the the film grain, the the older looking, the way they shot this to look like an old school zombie movie. Now, with that said, there is some things as far as the cinematography that I did like, I really liked, but there was also some things I really didn't like, and we'll get to that. And it it made this movie kind of a hard to harder to rate at the end because. There was a lot of stuff I really liked, but there was a few things uh, that's throughout the movie that kind of took it down a couple points for me. Uh, I'd say my opinion changed on some stuff, but didn't change on other stuff. So, you know, I wasn't entirely wrong. Uh, there was some things that I would still agree with from before, but but we'll get into that at the end of the episode. But first, if you want to stay up to date on what is going on with us or the show, talk about or submit your movie request, or just say hey, you can always find us at one of our social media accounts or our official website at grindhousehorrorpod.com. Facebook at the Grindhouse Syndicate Horror Podcast, Instagram at grindhousesyndicate.horror.pod, and many more, which you can find links for in the show notes as always. And please subscribe or follow for alerts on new episodes. And if you really love us and don't want us to have to free a bunch of monkeys who happen to be infected with a rage virus that infects the whole world and brings forth the collapse of society, give us a review. Please, for the love of God, give us a review. 28 Days Later is a 2002 British post-apocalyptic horror film directed by Danny Boyle and written by Alex Garland. It stars Killian Murphy as a bicycle courier who awakens from a coma to discover the accidental release of a highly contagious, aggression-inducing virus has caused the breakdown of society. Naomi Harris, Christopher Eccleston, Megan Burns, and Brendan Gleeson appear in supporting roles. The film was produced by DNA Films. That's an interesting name for a movie like this, DNA Films. With the help from the UK Film Council, it was distributed by Fox Searchlight Pictures and released in the UK on November 1st of 2002 and the US on June 27th, 2003. Wow, we got fucked. Yeah. 
we had to wait like an extra seven months. Got uh, a it long took a time. long time to put it on that boat, and it had to they had to boat it over here. Yeah, to get across the old ocean. It is 113 minutes long, had a budget of $8 million, and a box office of $84.6 million. What was the budget? $8 million. Mm. Yeah. They did pretty good with $8 million. They did. Good night. Yeah. Uh, filming took place in various locations in the UK in 2001. The crew filmed for brief periods during early mornings and temporarily closed streets to capture recognizable and busy areas when they were deserted. These places include Westminster Bridge, Piccadilly Circus, Horse Guards Parade, and Oxford Street. Good God, those are some fancy fucking names. Yeah. Uh, They typically only had about 45 minutes after dawn to shoot the locations before traffic began. They they would start setting up at 4 a.m., so they could shoot at 5 a.m. And they only would get, I think, the max amount of time they'd have is an hour. So, yeah. It was know. that dead five, between 5 and 6? Yeah. Well, when does their work day start? Uh, well, I th- I know that some of the locations, they actually had to do it on um, on Sunday morning was a lot of that kind of stuff. Uh, but some of them, it wasn't that big of a deal. Like some of the more touristy areas that didn't have necessarily have cars driving through, uh, they would be able to do during the week when tourists obviously aren't out taking pictures and sightseeing at five in the morning. But uh, yeah, so they kind of had to really work around the schedule with the, with the downtown London shots. Yeah, that sounds like a absolute nightmare for whoever had to uh, plan that out. Plan all the the shooting of the scenes. A lot of the scenes were shot on a Canon XL1 digital video camera because a traditional camera would have been impractical on such a brief shoot. Uh, so that is a 480p resolution. Um, if you don't know much about resolution, your typical film would be like a 1080i or 1080p. And even below that, there is a 720p. So um, 480p is pretty low, which, think- is, which is why it looks the way it looks. Um, the XL1 was also a much smaller, more maneuverable and suitable for the situation. Uh, the mansion used in the film was a trough. Oh, this is gonna be hard to say. Trafalgar Park near Salisbury. The scenes set upstairs were filmed downstairs because the mansion's owner resided on the upper level of the home. The original ending, which featured Jim's death, tested badly with audiences, so the studio granted more funding to film the ending scene that was eventually used. The crew organized to have a real jet fly over for filming because this was much cheaper than a CGI jet, which cost them, I guess the the cost to have a CGI jet was 70,000 pounds or in American money, that would be $88,000. Wow. 88, almost a hundred grand to make a CGI jet. And I think they only paid like, uh, like somewhere around ten grand, or somewhere between ten and twenty grand for a real jet. Why did it cost so much money to make a CGI jet? 
uh you know early early 2000s i i i don't know (laughs) that's a lot of fucking money jesus christ oh yeah high in the pentagon Um, to to run your computer cgi the real jet actually it they used uh, about six thousand dollars worth of fuel on that flyby the film is followed by the 2007 sequel 28 weeks later the 2007 graphic novel 28 Days Later, The Aftermath, and the 2009 to 2011 comic book series 28 Days Later. Ratings. Rotten Tomatoes gave this movie an 87%. IMDb gave it a 7.5 out of 10. Letterboxd gave it a 3.8 out of 5 stars. And the average audience rating is 4.2 out of 5 stars. If you would like to watch this movie, you can find it currently streaming on Sling TV. That's it? Yeah, and I'm going to tell you something really interesting. About a year ago, I think it was like March of 2023, this movie, no one knows what's happened suddenly got pulled from all streaming and physical copies are now out of print. Uh, Like I said, no one knows why. I tried to look into this. No one has any clue. It just, it was on a bunch of different streaming and it is gone. And the the physical copies? The physical copies are out of print now. So there is a lot of complaints of people buying new copies from Amazon. Don't buy a copy from Amazon. So, because the new ones are out of print, people are receiving copies of 28 weeks later instead of 28 days later. That's a big fuck up. And because it is a third-party seller, Amazon is not doing anything about it. So, people are basically getting fucked over when they're trying to buy a copy of 28 days later. So, just go and pick up a used copy. If you are trying to buy this movie... Just go, you can either pick up a used copy from like, um, you know, a thrift store, a Goodwill. Um, If you have one of those like CD record stores that has movies, get it from there. Um, Or eBay, you can do eBay. But yeah, this movie has disappeared and no one really knows why. That's weird. I got my copy, my physical copy, uh, maybe two years ago. So I guess I got it right at the right fucking time. I bought it new. Yeah, I looked it up on Walmart. The little Walmart app I have on my phone. Can't and trust Walmart. And Walmart had it, but it was not sold by Walmart. It was sold by a third party. Do you so. re- do you remember uh two years ago when I was telling you about the Walmart came out with the they had all their Halloween, the black and the orange and black really cool covers. Oh, and this I, I bought the the Amityville one, and when I looked the ratings up, which I looked it up before, but I didn't care because it, it had the movie that I was looking for because I already had the original. But I think it was it it said that it had the remake, the original, and it ended up like they fucked it up. And inside of it, on the actual disc, was like the remake. And one of the other Amityvilles they made. I thought it didn't have the remake because I remember telling you like 
Oh, that's yeah, probably that's what right. a lot of people would yeah, was that, wanting. Yeah, that is that is right. So it didn't have the remake, but it said on the back that it had the remake, and people were giving it terrible ratings because a bunch of people bought it for the remake. Yeah, it says it had the remake. You could look on the back and literally read all the information about the remake, but it wasn't in there. They completely put like some other Amityville in there that's lesser known. Yeah, nobody... How, how does that happen? Like, how does Walmart not pull that? Or no, nobody that put that together realized, like, oh, fuck, we put the wrong movie in? Yeah, with this movie, man, nobody really knows what's going on. There's been no information about, you know, what what's happened. Uh, I, re- I remember I looked into it and because obviously when I, you know, start writing the episodes, I go and I say, what, you know, where can I watch this movie? I get a list of everywhere you can watch it. And you couldn't even rent it at any of these other places. Normally, even if they don't have it available just to regularly stream, you can at least pay fucking $6 to rent it. Or you can pay Amazon like 20 bucks or some shit to own it. You can't even do that. So it's weird. Yeah, that's weird. Maybe it went to go return some videotapes. It went to... Got yeah, lost. Exactly. It's the Illuminati. Maybe this is really going to happen and they don't want us to watch 28 Days Later so we're caught off guard. You know, we don't have we don't have the movie to fall back on to get some, some ideas about what the government's really doing. All right. You ready to jump into the plot here? Uh, yeah. Let's, let's see what you liked and didn't like. Compared to your 15-year-old self. So we start off with three animal rights people breaking... <laughs> Damn, man. <laughs> then my brain just froze. I was like, that's anim- not how activists... Animal rights people? <laughs> what the fuck is that? So we start off with three animal rights activists breaking into a laboratory that does, you guessed it, animal testing. There are two men and one woman in this group, and they have come across a lab that is housing chimps. We see on one table is a dead chimp that has been cut open with his whole torso exposed, which looks pretty good. Good good job, special effects, guys. They also find a bunch of other chimps still alive, but locked in these, like, glass cages. In the back of the lab, they find one chimp is strapped to a table being forced to watch violent news footage of humans. This part's pretty sad. Man, I felt I, really bad for the chimp because he didn't look like he was raging. He just looked like sad. Yeah, I, I did. I did feel bad for that chimp. Uh, yeah, I'm. I hate chimps though. I'm gonna be honest. The other <laughs> wow, ones, wow. the other ones, freaking out. Like ever since that chimp ripped that woman's ripped face. that woman's face off, I can't look at a chimp and not think about it eating somebody's face. It's oh, horrifying. Okay. <laughs> that's that's what it did. Did um. Jordan Peele's nope, like, reinforced that for you? It did, absolutely. The activists are appalled at what they find and decide to free the chimps, and just as they start to pick the lock of the first cage, they are discovered by a scientist with very large teeth. (laughs) Did you catch his humongous teeth? It's like he almost had fake teeth in his mouth. They were so big. I'm going to reframe from the joke I was going to make. I don't want to... Okay. I don't want to try. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of like the the English comic book, the guy with the big teeth. Yeah, they, 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 they're known for the some of them having very large they, they have chompers. The horse teeth. They have horse mouth. 
that's what it is. Oh, is that Maybe he, donkey? I don't... He, I think you should just start with words. <laughs> he pleads with the activists to not open the cages because the chimps are infected with a highly contagious virus named Rage. That's not a very scientific name. You know how they name like every virus has like a a more scientific name than Rage. It's Rage nineteen point four two. It's like calling like COVID sick. <laughs> it's like very that simplified. Is, that is a very, uh, they didn't put much thought into the name. No. Uh, he says the infection is in the animal's blood and saliva, and just one bite could infect you. And they decide to open the cages anyway. Uh, the woman opens the cage and the chimp immediately attacks her and surprisingly doesn't rip her face off. Uh, but he begins biting her repeatedly and one of the men killed the chimp with bolt cutters and we see the woman begin to throw up blood. The scientist yells that they have to kill her but he gets ignored and we see the woman turn and like, like uh, spit cough blood like kind of a mix of both i guess into the face of her friend the scientist grabs a chair <laughs> um i wrote here wait for jordan to insert wrestling reference here oh no <laughs> no i already missed my chance when you uh when you were describing something <laughs> you, you said they start to to break down something that was my break it down. Oh, I thought you were gonna be like No, I was so confused. Grab the chair and I, <laughs> I thought you typed some shit out wrong or something. No, I just thought you were gonna I thought for sure you were gonna do a ref a, a reference there. Uh, he he got, trying to refrain from that. Apparently everybody's like thinks we watch wrestling, I guess. He picks up a chair to kill her with and then he <laughs> when she stands up and turns around we then see a close-up of her face. She is bleeding from her mouth and nose, and her eyes have turned red. And it's stone-cold stuff. <laughs> <laughs> we then see the chimps are going wild in their cages as we hear the scientist screams in the background. And then we get the title card, 28 Days Later. We then jump to a naked man lying in a hospital bed, and I said, oh wow, we just got a full dick shot. Wasn't expecting that. I don't. Right. I don't remember uh, the nudity. Yeah, uh, it's it's rare you get a dick shot in a in a movie. Full on dick shot. Yeah. Yes. My note was a dick in the first five minutes. Bad call. Bad call. Bad call. <laughs> Wasn't feeling it. Didn't want to see a dick in the first five minutes. You're gonna slip a dick in there. Just do it after like the first fifteen twenty minutes. Get me invested in the movie before you show me a dick. We learn. I don't even think women want to see a dick. I just, you know, I feel like I need to get to know you as a character before I see your genitals. Okay, yeah, you gotta, you gotta get to know each other first for sure before I see somebody's dick. I gotta know them really well. Dicks are just ugly. Yeah, I don't they're see not a great dick looking. In a movie. So we learn that this is our main character, Jim. And 28 days ago, he was riding his bike, delivering a package, and was struck by a car, where he then fell into a coma. He has now woken up for the first time since then, but he finds the hospital trash and deserted, and he finds some hospital scrubs to wear and ventures outside to try to find someone to explain what has happened here. We see Jim walking through the deserted streets of London, yelling hello, 
This goes on for, you know, seven minutes of the movie. We see trash, destroyed cars, and looted shops everywhere. Jim seems extremely confused about what has happened since his accident. Jim then picks up a newspaper that says Prime Minister Blair declares a state of emergency and evacuation of British people and has given the military a shoot-to-kill order for those infected. He then comes across a huge board of missing person flyers, messages to loved ones, and refugee locations stapled to it. Jim becomes suddenly overwhelmed by this. He then walks into a church where he discovers it is full of dead bodies. As he says hello, two of the bodies suddenly stand up and look at him. This was an awesome fucking scene. Like, I loved the two bodies that look up at him. I don't know why it was super unsettling. They just turn and look at him, and they're, like, frozen there. You can't quite see their faces because the... The 420 or 480, whatever they fucking did it on, is so bad. You can't tell if they're zombies or not at first. Also, uh, one thing I will get this movie props on is they did not, uh, they did not shy away from and putting a shit ton of dead bodies in the movie. They they didn't they didn't lack bodies at all. Yeah. Uh. So something quick and interesting about this scene is for one all of those people in that church were um actually college students that volunteered to be in the movie they didn't really know what the movie was about somebody said hey you want to be in a movie and they said yeah and boom there you go um another thing is uh, a lot there's a lot of shots in this movie that the director actually based off of real photographs of real things that he had like Photographs from real things that had happened, real tragedies. And in this case, there was uh, some kind of like mass murder in a village. Oh, and that, when you said that, my first thought was Jonestown with all the bodies. Yeah, it wasn't out. Jonestown. I want to say it was like, uh, you know, like a uh, northern Africa village or something that had like a big slaughter. But they had dragged all the dead bodies and put them in the church. And he, somebody had snapped this picture and he had seen this this picture and um he he tried to use real like tragedy events in the human race to really base some of these scenes off of but this was one of them that yeah that that's cool i i I definitely thought that uh they didn't short us on dead bodies and it it made the church scene really creepy because when that when the twos look at uh, look up at him you can't tell that anything's alive in there. And it's very, it's just a very unsettling scene, the way the light is. Unless they figured, like, nobody's going to notice this, that this is a bunch of 20-year-olds because the camera quality is so bad. Yeah, you can't tell like at that, all. Like, that chimp in the beginning was probably just, like, a stuffed animal with ketchup <laughs> squirted on it. I remember the, the panning shot where they first pan over the bodies, like, in it, in it, you know, slowly getting closer. But I remember, I couldn't tell what it was at first. It just looked like a bunch of colors. Like, I could tell we're inside of a church, but I couldn't tell it was just a bunch of people laying on top of each other originally. Yeah, at, at first, when I seen it, I thought it was a bunch of clothes or something. And yeah, I couldn't tell what I was looking at. But So as he is leaving, a priest starts walking towards him, and while jerking, stumbling, and making weird noises... The priest's eyes are red and he has blood on his face. He begins to run towards Jim 
when Jim suddenly hits him with a bag of sodas in the face. And for our northern United States people, that would be a bag of pop to the face. Bag of fucking pop. Jim runs out, uh, runs out the church with a handful of infected chasing behind him. Two people with gas masks yell for Jim to come their way as they begin to throw Molotov cocktails at the infected. Jim and the two gas mask strangers hide behind the wall of a building while they set off a bomb, blowing up the nearby gas station and killing the infected chasing Jim. Did they just blow up a whole ass gas station for two zombies? Yeah, so this was really cool looking. Uh, but you just literally got the attention of every fucking zombie in that entire city. Also, the the scene where they're they're kind of hiding against that wall with uh, in between the two windows. That was another picture that he used. Uh, the original picture is from like an IRA bombing in Ireland, where the bombers were actually like they set off the bomb and they hid, and the bomb blasted out the two windows that they were hiding in between. So, yeah, this is another one of those I thought those that was pictures. a cool scene, too. Yeah. Like, the windows blowing out. But, yeah, when they blew up the gas station, I noticed, like, there was only two... There was only two zombies that were running through there. And I'm like, dude, you could have did that a lot less loud. Yeah, I agree. I would have been terrified to do this because I would think that all the zombies would... Show up. Come to this area. Not only was there a super loud explosion, but now you have this giant fucking ball of fire in the middle of the dark. The three make their way into a small store turned hideout located down in a subway station. We then get introduced to Jim's gas masked saviors. We have a wise cracking Mark and very serious and negative Selena. Next, they basically explain how the rage virus took over and that the military blockades fell apart, everyone died, and there is no government, no police, no military, and Jim is the first non-infected person they have seen in a week. The next day, Jim, Mark, and Selena go to Jim's home and discover that Jim's parents committed suicide when things got bad. Because they refuse to travel at night unless they have to, they decide to stay the night in Jim's parents' house until the morning. Oh, this this guy literally is still for now two days. He is now at his house, or at least at his parents' house where he had a room, and he is still wearing these fucking awful mint green scrubs. Like that would have been one of the first things I did was change. Yes. Yes, as soon as I went out in the city and there was nobody there, I would have went and found clothes. Like, if I ever wake up in the apocalypse, I'm going to find some cooler clothes to die in than fucking mint green scrubs. So later that night, Jim is reminiscing about his parents when suddenly an infected bursts through the window and tackles him. Immediately after, another one comes through the skylight. Um, The skylight zombie doesn't make any sense. Like... They didn't hear a zombie. Okay, why is a zombie on the roof? I didn't think that any of this scene made sense. I thought it was kind of, it was just kind of squeezed in there, it felt like. Like it didn't, like why did they both charge into the house at the same time? And they're coordinated. They're almost like, I'll bust in, you bust in at the same time. I'll hit him from this way. You, Yeah. I don't think that this scene makes any sense at all. And he's not doing anything to attract I guess he, light, he lights the candle, but 
they would have to be like right outside the window. Yeah, I yeah, I I just I felt like this scene was just put in here to get some action going for this split second, uh, or to kill off this other character. But I I did feel the same way. I felt like it didn't make any sense. Yeah, and a skylight is never made of like glass that's shatterable. Maybe he was a SWAT team in in his life before. Yeah, they don't they don't have like he always regular bust gla- through a skylight. Regular glass skylights because if something breaks it and you don't want shards of glass raining down upon you, um, it yeah, this whole thing didn't make any sense. But as Jim falls to the floor while fighting off the infected people. Mark and Selena run to help him. Selena stabs one to death instantly, and Mark grabs one and tosses him onto the kitchen table. Selena demands to know if Jim was bitten, to which he replies no. They then look over at Mark, who is examining a bloody wound to his forearm. Before Mark can say anything, Selena violently beats him to death. You know, she didn't beat him to death. She took a machete and fucking... Literally chopped his ass up. She's that was ruthless. I didn't see that coming. Yeah, one thing was too like that didn't really look like a bite mark. Like it looked like he was his arm was cut. I agree. It was more of a hole. In it, his it was arm like yeah, like he got sliced by glass or by you know his own knife or something. It did not look like a bite mark. And I almost wonder if, like, because he goes to say something to him. I wonder if he was almost going to be like, yeah, I didn't, because I didn't, I, I, you know, watched it a couple times, and I didn't even see where he could have gotten bit. Like, he literally slams that thing on the table and then stabs it in the chest. His arm doesn't come, near, like, close to the mouth or anything at all. I think she might have murdered him. Maybe she just, like, couldn't stand him. It's like, I've been stuck well, they with didn't, this fucking guy. Like, they, I can't wait. Till something happens and I can kill him. They didn't seem like they really liked each other all that much. No, no, they didn't. But they also didn't seem like they hated each other. Like, they seemed like they had been working together for a little bit. So I did not see this uh, this ruthless machete slang happening. I just didn't see it. I will say uh, A plus on the blood splatter, though. The blood splatter on the wall as she's chopping at him. And the arm. The arm getting cut off looked real good. Yeah, I agree. So she tells Jim to change, get the blood cleaned off, and get ready to leave before more infected arrive. On the way back to the subway station, Jim asks Selena about why she killed Mark so quickly, and she explains that once someone gets infected, you only have between 10 and 20 seconds before they turn. And in in, and in case he was wondering, if he gets bit, she will gladly do the same to him. I would hate to be stuck with her, man. She's fucking insufferable. It, it's, it's, you can tell very early on that she has some attachment issues or abandonment issues. She is very, very... Uh, Negative. Keep everybody at a distance. Don't let anybody get too close so I don't get hurt. So she is very negative about any type of relationships with anybody. Yeah, and she starts talking shit about Mark because, you know, he had plans for, like, after the virus stopped. Like, she acts like he was, like, a loser because he had, like, a positive outlook on life still. Like, you know, we're going to get through this. And she's just like, well, do you have any plans, Jim? Were you like him? And I'm like, 
Because, Jim, I'll you know, fucking kill you if you get on my nerves with your stupid plans. Yeah, she's like, you know, it's all about just living right now. Like, don't don't think about tomorrow. You're, you're, you're lame if you think about tomorrow. Like, what? I, man, I'd be like, I'm going to ditch you. She's, she's like Eeyore. She's like, yeah. we're all dead anyway. You're, you're, you're lame if you think about living past today. So during this mm-hmm. conversation, <laughs> during this conversation, Jim and Selena see an apartment balcony with Christmas lights flashing. And they decide to go check it out with hopes to find other survivors. While walking up the stairway of the apartment building, we find out that Selena is a certified chemist, which I believe is basically like a pharmacist in the United States. I'm pretty sure that's what they call that over there. And she has a bunch of pharmacy drugs in her bag. Soon after, they hear a bunch of infected running up the stairs close behind them. Right before they are attacked, they run into a man at the top of the stairway in riot gear. He fights off the infected while Jim and Selena hide inside his apartment or flat, depending on which part of the world you live in. And this is where we meet Frank and his teenage daughter, Hannah. They all talk for a bit, introduce themselves, and have a drink to celebrate finding other survivors. After Frank and Hannah go to bed, Jim and Selena talk about their new friends, and of course, Selena has some negative shit to say. But Jim really likes them, and he thinks that they mean well. Yeah, Frank is like super fucking nice. Oh, yeah. Considering the Great circumstances. Guy. Uh, I thought the Christmas lights and Christmas music playing was really fucking weird. The apocalypse is happening. I'm not going to have fucking Christmas music playing like super loud in my house. I got the sense that Frank was so nice. I got the sense that it was like a too good to be true thing. Like, why is this guy being so fucking nice? Oh, yeah, I didn't, I did not get that. I, I got the vibe from him of, you know, he's got this daughter and it's difficult for him to protect her by himself. So for, for him to maybe come across some other good people would be really helpful. Well, he says that ultimately not like, not far after the scene, before they leave, he kind of talks about that. He kind of needs them to leave because he doesn't want to leave with just them two because if he dies, she'll be on her own. So he was actually looking for people. But I'm talking about, like, the first scene. Like, when he goes in there while he's shaving and is talking to him in the bathroom, I just, you know, I was like, man, this guy's way too nice. So the next day, Frank says that they are very low on water, and even though he has like a hundred buckets on the roof, and it hasn't rained in ten days. So <clears throat> that was more than a hundred buckets. That was like five hundred buckets. That was a lot of buckets. I don't know where the fuck this guy got so many buckets. He's like got and a whole apartment building to himself. It's only been thirty days. He would have had to have found like thirty buckets a day. I don't know. I just made that number up. <laughs> I don't know what the math behind that is, but it was a lot of buckets. So Frank wants to leave the apartment building, and he has a plan. Frank then shows them a radio broadcast from the military, and it gives out some coordinates, and it says the answer to infection and safety is here at this location. Frank wants to drive there in his cab and estimates that it would take somewhere between two or three days to get there. So after some brief debating, the newly formed group of four head out in Frank's very 
English looking taxi. <laughs> Why did they take this old ass fucking car? Like I get yeah, they may not good have shape. <laughs> had like a whole lot of options because they had to have keys, but good God, I feel like they could have found something better. This thing is very English. It's old. Very as British. Fuck. Uh, what year do you think that was made in? Well, I know that they make a lot of cars like that um, that are made to look really old and really British, but they're new. I don't know where I've seen that from. I want to say I've seen like a YouTube video or something about it, but yeah, they're they may they may be old style. That doesn't mean they're like an actual physically old. Well, the inside of it looked like it was physically old too. I think people uh, like that kind of style there, that old timey, that old Model T. Yeah, back, back in the day. I don't know. I feel like even with it being, even if it's a newer car with that look. Like, if I'm having to drive it in the zombie apocalypse, I'm thinking, how many zombies can this fucking car run through before it stops? And I don't think that one's got too many zombies in it before it stops. I think it might surprise you. Uh, Soon after they arrive at a tunnel, Jim thinks it is suicide to go in. But Frank says it is a way shorter route to the main road. And they debate it for a moment when suddenly Frank says, fuck it, and heads into the tunnel. Now, this is one of the things I specifically remember hating about this movie. The background music? The the whole scene. The, the whole fucking, thing. Yep, yep. Uh, so I agree, because I, I, in my notes, I also put, why the fuck would you drive like that, knowing that's your only car? Like, why would you be acting fucking reckless and they're all in the backseat laughing? Thought that was weird, but worse than that was this horrific fucking background music. Yeah, the the this whole entire scene and then the scene after. The, the, there's a couple scenes here in a row that, that I that I remember just hating, and I didn't like them as much now. But I I mean I could say I like them a little bit better. But man, I hated these. So as we are driving through the tunnel, they see that the whole thing is blocked off by tons of debris in wrecked cars it is so tall that you can't even see the other side as jim remarks how he was right and that it was a bad idea frank gets aggravated and steps on the gas speeding straight towards this big pile of debris and somehow this little tiny looks like it should be driving the queen of england around car just Drives right up this like fucking wall of rock and metal, like it, like no problem. And yeah, this is ridiculous. And once the car reaches the top of this mess of like steel and concrete, it just drives right on over it while everyone like laughs in the car, like as it's just like rocking back and forth and everyone's having a blast. And there's this weird classical music playing. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on here? Yeah, I didn't I didn't understand this. Like even with like the characters, like Selena's like this dark, like uh super cynical person and they're all back there in the back seat laughing. Like I I would tell them, Bro, you're gonna wreck the fucking only car we have. Like what are we gonna do if we get stuck in this tunnel? Han- Hannah even like at one point says like, Oh, Dad Yeah. Like 
It's a strange like scene. It, like, they're on, like, a Disney ride. It's it's like they won the show. Like, you know when they do those scenes in movies, like, if they're going on a trip or road trip of them during the trip having fun and they have music in the background. It's like they had to put three days in a short amount of scenes. So they tried to shoot these scenes of them, like, bonding, all four of them. And I thought it was a really out-of-place scene. That was weird. Um, I also wanted to see if you caught this because I thought it was super obvious, but the outside shot of the car like driving over top of the debris, you can very clearly see the track that they laid for the car. So the car didn't actually have to drive over like all this debris. Did you see it? I didn't. I was uh, probably it's, it's in the process super of obvious. typing about that horrible fucking background music. Yeah, even though it's shot on like really low quality, I don't think that they were expecting TVs to be so good like later on in it because there's no way that they would make it that obvious back then. Like you probably couldn't see it before on like lower grade TVs, but you can see it now. Uh, so once they make it over the heap, they only have one flat tire. Sure. Yeah. Sure, you only got one. You'd have four fucking flat tires. Well, the the suspension would have been fucked on that thing. It would have got caught on stuff, like chunks of metal, chunks of concrete. Like It would have hit that first wall and literally smashed, smashed, and that would have been it. Uh, they they all hop out. Uh, busted radiator. It would one hundred percent be overheating. That'd probably be the first thing to happen. Would be the radiator getting fucking busted. Yeah, they all hop out to change it when they hear a group of infected running down the tunnel towards them, and they realize that they don't have time to jack the car up, so they all lift the car while Hannah changes the tire. I th- I thought that Jim was sitting in the car while Frank was lifting the car. They're like sitting in the car, waiting to go. I, th- uh, I think they multiple of them was lifting it up. But. Uh, I thought it was just Frank lifting it up because I even put my notes because I seen it. It looked like he was sitting in the car in multiple shots. Like, why the fuck is he sitting in the car? Even before this happens, before they lift the car up, why is why is he just hanging out there? Why a 13, 12 or 13 year old girl changes a fucking tire on the car? Because he's like this. I told you this is a bad idea and I'm not helping you get, get out of it. <laughs> So she gets it attached right in time. They all jump in and drive off quickly, exiting the tunnel. We then see them stop at an untouched grocery store, which somehow has electricity. This is weird scene number two. Yeah, uh, this, this is another like, what the fuck scene. How did nobody like ravage this grocery store? Like, why, why did they have this, electricity? Yeah, why is it completely untouched? Why are those the freshest fucking apples I've ever seen in my life? And they've been sitting there for 30 days, and which should have been no electricity. They must have painted those apples, bro. There's certain things in this movie that they did with the cinematography, where this movie is a very dark and bland, like apocalyptic look to it. But then every now and then they have these, these like items or something in the movie that is very bright colored that pops off the screen. And they do that with some of the, the blood and the red. Yeah, and they parts do that of a lot movie. with red, yeah. Uh, but they also did it with these apples, and I, I didn't quite understand why. Like, with the, if there was like a, uh, supposed to be a meaning behind that or something. This matter of fact, this whole grocery store scene is actually very bright. It feels much different than the entire rest of the movie. 
Uh, it's the lights are on. It's super bright, super clean. Everything's nice. It is the complete opposite of what the rest of the movie feels like. And they play some more terrible music in the background. Yeah, I did see the director actually said that this was a scene that he kind of regrets because the whole electricity and everything didn't make any sense. Um, it's a weird scene. It, the untouched grocery store didn't make any sense either. So yeah, they get to this grocery store and they do some shopping. I have no idea where they're going to fit four cartfuls of groceries in the baby trunk. I don't know where they put all that I don't shit. Even, I think that trunk's just for looks. I don't even think it actually does anything. It's like a gas tank in there or something. It's where they put the gas in it. And after getting some gas, the group then stops at an old abandoned church ruins for a picnic. And this was another part I disliked when I was younger. I remember I remember this whole section of the movie is what I complained about. Is like when somebody said, well, why didn't you like it? I said, well, we're supposed to have this zombie movie. And then there's this big chunk in the middle where we're going to grocery stores, laughing, having fun, having picnics out in the out in the field watching horses and it's like where's the fucking zombie shit it's like they in these scenes they really wanted to pass the uh, idea that this group is bonding together but i think the rest of the movie's so long they had to kind of squeeze it in a very tight space so yeah this these parts i mean they're literally shot with the music playing in the background and everybody's laughing and stuff uh in in both scenes and it's it's very strange, but I, I think that that was the meaning was they were trying to show this group bonding. Yeah, I mean, I, I see storytelling wise, I see the reason for them now. Uh, but back then when I, you know, I just wanted to be entertained by death and destruction. This 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 was like off the charts. Fuck no for me. So before the picnic. Jim goes in this building when they stop to get gas. And it makes no fucking sense at all. That's why I didn't like, include it, because I, I just didn't see wait, the here, whole reason for any of it. <laughs> here's why I bring it up outside of him going in there for no reason at all. I thought that was fucking stupid. I thought that that was another thing that was kind of put in there that didn't really make sense. But he kills the zombie kid in there, which apparently kind of affects him later on in the movie. Didn't seem like it affected him that much in the scene. But I could have sworn, and I don't know if you heard this, but I could have sworn right before he killed the zombie kid, it said, I hate you. No, I didn't catch I didn't catch that. I didn't catch that at all. Well, I didn't rewind it, so I, <laughs> I can't verify if it was. I figured you probably watched it with subtitles, which I did not turn on I this did. movie. And I was wondering if, if it came up on there or if you caught it. But I'm... About 99% sure that zombie kid said, I hate you right before he killed it, which I thought was another thing that was super strange and out of place. So after they eat, Jim and Selena go for a walk. Selena talks about how she believed the world was pretty much over and she had nothing to look forward to. But she is starting to change her mind. That Frank and Hannah's love for one another has changed her outlook. And Jim says that he has known that the whole time, and Selena kisses him on the cheek. We also find out here that Frank is a horse girl. 
<laughs> yeah. It's got a thing for horses, man. Well, Hannah's like, do you think they're infected? And I'm like, do they look infected? <laughs> yeah, they didn't look infected at all. And uh, not even close. But that is such a stupid thing a kid would think. Yeah. Like, um, uh, are the horses going to kill us, Dad? <laughs> <laughs> would have been a different movie. <laughs> Frank's like, horses don't get infected, honey. Horses they're are majestical. From, straight from God. Um, he like kisses his hand and waves at the horses when they all walk off. And I'm like, oh my God, Frank is a fucking horse girl. Pretty much. Like he is totally like horse girling out for these horses right now. He's got a notebook full of like horse sketches that he does. <laughs> it's going to be nightfall soon. So the group decides to camp at the ruins for the night. Jim and Hannah can't sleep. So Selena gives them a whole bottle of Vicodin. Yeah, this was weird. Uh, FYI, for the record, so I, I did look it up. I did do some research on the research team here on the podcast. Okay. Um, and the the, the little boy does say, "I hate you." There's, oh. there's whole threads on Reddit about people asking, saying they heard him say, "I hate you." Went right over my head. Didn't didn't catch it. Very strange. Very strange part. Uh, the next day, as Frank is driving down the interstate, they come to a top of a hill that overlooks the city of Manchester, and it's burning. A little later on, they finally com- come across an abandoned military blockade. They get out of the car and begin to look around. Selena gets a sketchy vibe and wants to leave, but Frank, who is frustrated they came all this way for nothing, says no and decides to keep looking around. The rest of the group has pretty much thrown in the towel on the whole military broadcasting, but Frank has a bit of a freak out when they bring up leaving again. Frank then sits by himself next to a guard tower when he starts to hear a crow crowing. Crowing? Calling. Calling. Crow crow, crow crowing. (laughs) The crow crows crowing. Wrote calling. Uh (laughs) Crowing. Man, it's, I, it's calling, right? I'm <laughs> pretty sure. Yeah. Oh, why did crow, I say crowing? <laughs> crow, definitely not crowing. I know that. The crow was crowing. <laughs> the, the crow was crow, crow calling. <laughs> caw, caw. Um, he looks up to see the bird standing on top of a dead body that is lying on the top of the tower. He kicks the wall of the tower, which causes a drop of blood to fall from the body and directly into Frank's eye. And I knew when he looked up at that fucking crow, something bad was about to happen. I knew, actually, when he started having the... Fr- you know what? I take that back. So when I first <laughs> knew that Frank was going to die is right at in the picnic where they get fucking drugged the fuck up to go to sleep. Why they have no shelter and they're sleeping outside, which uh, was the worst idea ever. And he's having that dream, which is another weird scene I felt like could have been cut out of the movie. had nothing to do with anything. But Frank can tell he's having a bad dream and wakes him up. And, like, he kind of, Jim kind of wakes up and he's like, oh, thanks, Dad. And he calls him Dad. And Frank just, like, doesn't even correct. I'm like, Frank's such a good fucking guy. Like, he is the dad we all wish we had. And he's going to fucking die. Yeah, I, I don't know exactly when, but there was just a point where I'm like, man, you know, they're not they're not gonna let the nice the nice good dude live. Like, you know, it's just not gonna happen. Like that that's always like, you know, they did that a lot on like The Walking Dead, where if you were like the moral compass of the show, you would die. 
You you know a lot of movies are are very uh when you've seen stuff like this and like you know you kind of get that feeling sometimes you just know it's going to happen when they're when they're making a character they're trying to make you love a character so much you know something's going to happen and as soon as Jim called him dad and they showed the like Frank's such a fucking just sweet guy uh, like I said he's the dad we all wish we had I knew at that very moment I said fuck Frank's going to die. Yeah, it worked, because I was like, no, not Frank. And um, these fucking stupid-ass army guys couldn't show up a fucking second sooner. Uh, didn't Dawn of the Dead... D- Dawn of the Dead stole this blood-in-the-eye thing, because I believe that happened in that movie, too. They had the bus crash, and the, the asshole guy who owns the boat, and he gets out, and the blood drips on him or whatever, and he looks up, and it drips trips in his eye and then the zombie like attacks him yeah i think they did do the blood drop but i don't i don't think like he didn't get infected from it no but they still like the blood drop from the other zombie like the zombie above him dripped in his eye or whatever but i thought this was the worst part of the movie this was ridiculous you kill frank off like this this bullshit uh hannah walks up on frank right as this happens and frank starts to panic but doesn't tell the others what just happened frank apologizes to hannah and tells her he loves her very much and to stay away from him frank then starts to shake and jerk from rage the others run over and discover frank is full-on infected jim goes to hit frank with the bat but before he could swing multiple bullet holes appear in frank's chest Frank's body falls and we see a couple of soldiers with gas masks on have arrived at the scene. We then see Frank's car being escorted by a military vehicle to a large fortified mansion. When they arrive, they are greeted by a tall fit man named Major Henry West who is in charge of this group of soldiers. I immediately... So so I will will point this out. When I first met Frank... I didn't get like any kind of vibe. Like I, I don't know, man. I I immediately was like, "This is a good dude." But when I meet this guy, I immediately was like, "He's pretending to be a good dude. He's a, he's really a bastard." Yeah, immediately. Uh, I agree. Immediately, I got that same feeling as this is too good to be true, and this guy looks like a total fucking asshole. Like it. It was very quickly after, like when it, when when Frank saves them. And before he even, like, takes off his fucking armor and shit, like, I was like, all right, there's something up with this. This isn't good. Like, is this guy about to, like, kill them and eat them or something? Uh, But once Frank starts talking, like, especially when he he goes in uh, after the shaving scene and you're like, oh, God, here it is. Like, what's going to happen? And then that scene ends. You, You get a good vibe off of Frank really quick. He just gives that good dad vibe. And... This guy did not. I think you're completely correct about that. This guy's super shady. And this whole, like, setup, when they took them down there and they, to go eat all this food and stuff, I was like, this is way too good to be true. There's got to be something up. You know who Major West, he, he reminds me of, is the governor. The governor. That's a good comparison. Yeah, that whole, like, you know, I'm in charge here. This is my place. Everyone listens to me. But I'm really welcoming, and I'm really nice, and I'll set you up really nice. But but you know that he really is, like, secretly stoked that everything's fucked up. 
Like yeah, he's totally he taking advantage of the situation. Does fucked up shit and then tries to justify yeah. it. As it's for the good of his people. Mm-hmm. It's for his people. So after a hot shower, Jim goes to meet with Major West. And West tells him that because of the big fire of Manchester, most of the infected from the city have branched out and are now all over the area. But he says not to be alarmed because they are perfectly safe here at the mansion. He then proceeds to take Jim on a little tour of the place to get him familiar and ease Jim's worries. And uh, when Jim is sitting on the steps and West says not to worry, he then rubs the back of Jim's head. Thought that was weird. Like, yeah. like he's a boy. I would have been like, like a child. Why the fuck, did you just like pat my head? Yeah, I'd be like, dude, don't what? ever, don't ever do that again. That would have, I would have immediately went and told. Hannah and Selena, like, we, we should go. And they'd been like, why is it he rubbed the back of my head? This guy's going to fuck me. And they he would. Gonna, this guy's going to rape me. I know it. They probably would have been like, well, what does that mean? And be like, well, I know you're not a, a male, but a, an adult male doesn't rub the back of another adult's male unless they're lovers. This is weird. We got to get out of here right now. Like, I'm telling you, this is a huge red flag. Yeah. Uh, yeah, anytime a grown man treats another grown man like a 10-year-old boy, like patting him, like, why would you touch his head like that? It was so creepy. He shows Jim that they have tripwires, floodlights, and mines placed all around the outside of the compound to alert them when infected arrive. He also shows him one of West's former soldiers named Mailer who, is, who recently got infected. And they have Mailer chained up in a courtyard, hoping that they can learn some of the infected's weaknesses, most importantly, how long it takes for infected to starve to death. Yeah, super red flags going off here. Yep. Anybody who keeps their dead friend that is now a zombie chained up in the courtyard, major red flags there. Uh, I don't think that their, his reasoning was for them, because... You know, it it does make sense in the sense that they want to kind of learn and see how long it takes for them to starve to death with no food. But I don't think that was the real reasoning for it. I think these fucked up ass dudes just think it's funny that this guy that they were with is now a zombie and he's chained up. Who else kept zombies locked up? Oh, the Uh governor. The governor did. He did the same thing. So then we jump to dinner time and we see everyone is seated at a long dinner table. We see Major West arrive last and take his seat at the head of the table. And I said, why the fuck does this dude have his dress uniform on? Why does, when did he even bring that? Or he has them all like sing a sing whatever fucking stupid song. army song that was that they have over there. Like as he's coming in the door. So like, you know, I'm sitting here thinking... You know, he's at his whatever base he's at. And then they get an alert. Hey, you're getting emergency deployed to this outside of Manchester to set up this blockade. And his immediate thought is like, okay, grab this, grab this. Got to make sure I grab my dress uniform as well. Absolutely. You can't not have your dress. What? This guy gives me like really, really uh, ROTC vibes. Oh, he's an officer. (laughs) <laughs> this guy was uh, like maybe he wasn't even actually in the army. Maybe he just fakes it. Maybe he stayed at a Holiday Inn Express the night before. <laughs> uh, we also start to see some of these soldiers have differing opinions about the situation with the virus. 
Some think the world will bounce back after a cure is discovered, and others think that this is the end of humanity. Sergeant Farrell seems to be the only deep thinker and logic user in the group, and you immediately get the vibe that Major West doesn't like him. That nobody likes him. I think that it is very obvious why West doesn't like him. It is because Farrell is smart and logical, and West knows that he won't just blindly worship him and follow unethical orders. I think that he he sees that, you know, Farrell's not just going to go along with whatever fucked up shit West says. I agree. Yeah. I think out of all of them there, he's the only one who uh, is any type of normal. Yeah, I mean, from, you know, I, I had sergeants in the army and i think this guy would be a a great sergeant to have because you get some good ones and you get some bad ones but uh yeah he literally looks at him and says why'd you even join the army and i'm like what that dude's fucking that's that's a top-notch nco right there like what (laughs) yeah uh, we we all had good ncos and, and bad ncos and uh i i think this guy would probably be like why it, it, I don't know. There is that thing in the army, though, and not just in the army, and in, in general, people being perceived as more soft. They give this guy a lot of shit for being logical, and and uh, later on coming up having any type of compassion. So suddenly, an explosion interrupts dinner, and the soldiers jump up and run outside. We see maybe thirty or forty infected running toward the building and the soldiers taking them out with their rifles. And after they take them all out, we see that the soldiers are laughing and having a good time, and Sergeant Farrell seems to be the only one taking the situation seriously. We also see Jim and Selena watching all of this through a window. As they come back inside, they are being led by the biggest douche in the bunch, Corporal Mitchell. And he is one of those people that is loving all this shit. Like, just everything going bad. Like, in my opinion, he is a bad person. And now that there is, like, no authority, it allows him to basically do fucked up shit to people without consequences. Like, that is the vibe I get from him pretty much immediately. I agree. But he walks in. He fixes his stupid fucking hair. He walks up to Selena, and he takes her machete from her hand. He tells her she won't be needing that anymore because she has him to protect her. He then starts making references to how big his dick is. Selena says fuck you and Mitchell takes this as an opportunity to sexually assault her. He grabs her and she tries to fight him off. Sergeant Farrell yells for him to stop and Jim runs to help her. Mitchell throws Jim to the ground and Sergeant Farrell takes Mitchell down from the back. As fuckface Mitchell hits the ground, Major West enters the room and, of course, reprimands Sergeant Farrell. He's like, Sergeant Farrell, what are you Are you about to stop one of my men from raping that woman? Yeah, are you having compassion? You, you, you let him rape her if he wants. This is giving me, like, uh, Russian, Russian army vibes. Like, all the sh- stories that you heard. This is totally, uh, you know, all those really, really bad story like as us being in the army I, I can confidently say that if 10 random army soldiers here were 
trapped in a place in the apocalypse and they decided that they were going to rape women that most of the guys there would be like, no, this isn't going to happen. We're not letting this shit happen. I thought that they showed the the poor uh, English army in a really bad light here. Uh, I'm sure there was a lot of English soldiers who were like, what the fuck? Yeah, wow. Uh, West gives Selena a half-hearted apology, and him and Jim go to have a drink. And West drops a fucking bomb onto Jim. He says that a couple weeks ago, his soldiers started to lose hope in the situation. He even caught one trying to commit suicide with his gun, which he should have. So he then came up with a plan to boost everyone's morale. He promised his soldiers women. He told them he was making the radio broadcast and that the survivors would hear it and come to their location. So basically, he said, we will lure women to our compound with the promise of help from the government, then assault them to make ourselves feel better and give us something to look forward to. Or or better worded, to rape and impregnate them. What? Because they talk about, he says, without women, there is no future. And that's why this guy was suicidal. So I assume that their plan is to rape and impregnate these women. Yeah. I I doubt they really care. I doubt they really care about the pregnant part. I think they're really more concerned with the rape part. Yeah. I, um, I put in my notes. I like I knew that this was too good to be true and red flags started showing, but I did not see this coming. Like this was a twist that surprised me, even knowing that a twist was coming. Before the sexual assault scene, I would have never guessed that they did the whole broadcast not to like lure people there and steal their stuff or fucking eat them because they're starving to death. Nope, just to rape women. We yeah. made this whole thing up just so we can rape women. And, and all of them except one were like, yeah. And his excuse is like, he says, what are nine men supposed to do? Um, I, You know, I don't know. Fucking build, rebuild things, like get things back on track. I'm sure there's some other women out there. It's You know, not everybody's, you know, dead. Uh, go out there and maybe look, look for some willing women. Um, there, there's other things to accomplish besides that. That is a yeah. that is a terrible, terrible outlook. And it's like, what what are what are nine men supposed to do? I I don't know. Choke jack the off chicken. until then. Yep. Like, <laughs> Choke the fucking chicken. Like, good God. Um, they're so horny that they're gonna blow their brains out with their guns. Just like, lube the tube up. No oh, man. Do what you gotta do, but damn. It hasn't even been a month. They're all like, if we can't rape women, we're going to kill ourselves. It's That's only been 28 days. <laughs> and this guy is like so like into being in charge and, and being a great leader for his men that he's like, okay, I got a plan. We'll, we'll lure women here to rape them. He should let them fuck him. Yeah. <laughs> if he cares that much. So Jim immediately runs and gets Selena and Hannah and tells them they have to leave now. And right as they make it to the front door, a soldier is hiding on the other side and knocks Jim unconscious with his rifle. 
Jim wakes up on the floor to find Sergeant Farrell screaming at the other men to let them go. The argument gets out of control and everyone pulls their guns. They surround Farrell and eventually rush him, taking his rifle and subduing him. Jim and Sergeant Farrell are detained in a separate room for the night, slated to be executed in the morning. Farrell is just kind of like rambling on, saying that the infection never made it out of the UK and that basically because of the virus, they all got quarantined and help will arrive soon. He believes the rest of the world is still normal. The next morning, we see Fuckface Mitchell and another soldier escorting Jim and Farrell deep into the woods for execution. And Mitchell tells Jim that uh, he's basically going to go rape Selena after he kills him. We then see them reach a cleared out area with a large pile of bodies. Mitchell, because he is a fucking deranged piece of garbage, decides that he isn't going to just shoot the two men. He wants to stab them to death with his bayonet. The other soldier argues with him about it, saying, let's just shoot them and be done. Farrell tells him off and then spits in his face. And I was like, fuck yeah. At least, at least you got in what you could. Right as Mitchell goes to stab him, the other soldier, Jones, shoots Farrell, killing him. Mitchell turns and freaks out on Jones, allowing Jim to run off. But... Jim didn't run off. Slick as fuck. He actually just hid in the pile of bodies. He then climbs over the large wall and makes his escape. Mitchell basically says, fuck it. Jim doesn't have a car or a gun and he's as good as dead. And they head back to the mansion. Jim, breathing heavily from running away, stops to take a break when he notices a plane in the sky. Oh, was 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 Farrell right? right? Yeah. Was he right? Uh, we actually, if you've seen the sequel, you find out that he was right. It was just the the UK. So back at the Chateau of Rape mansion, we see West basically telling Selena and Hannah that they are going to go upstairs, find some nice dresses, and make themselves look hot for some unwanted sex with nine men. They violently strip Selena of some of her clothes. She then convinces them to leave the room so she can get changed. This shit makes no fucking sense. This is another one of those things that made, like, the writer should have come up with something better. They're all about to, like, gang rape this uh, woman and this child. And they leave the room to be polite. She's like, well, if we're going to change, it's, it's just polite for you to leave the room while we're undressing like they're like oh well then okay well then they don't even leave for like 20 seconds yeah and then they rush run it's right like back was, in and it was like creepy ass pervert was peeking through the door uh and another so they run back in when she's trying to like give the other girls some drugs she says so she doesn't really care and they freak out like why would you care if i mean if you're going to brutally rape them, why would you care if they got drugged up first? Well, I think he was worried that maybe she was taking drugs to kill herself. And then that's, you know, maybe he's like, I want the underaged one. I want the child one. Don't kill her. I, I, I want, want her to die. I want her alive while yeah. this is happening. Like, I that's just pretty rough. As soon as they leave, Selena gives Hannah some pills to make her so fucked up that the rape won't be as traumatizing. 
One of the soldiers bursts in and grabs Selena, but just then, an air siren starts to go off. We then see that Jim is back at the abandoned blockade on the road and is the one setting off the siren. A military jeep comes pulling up with West on the mounted gun on top and the other soldier named Davis driving. West and Davis split up to look for Jim. Jim manages to kill Davis and West finds his body soon after. Jim disables the jeep which West discovers when he tries to run away like a little bitch. We then start to see infected show up to the blockade. West tries to fight them off but eventually runs off into the woods. We then cut back to the mansion where Selena and Hannah are sitting in fancy evening dresses and being closely guarded by soldiers. Jim arrives that night without being seen and immediately sets the infected mailer free in the compound. Hannah is now pretty high from the pills Selena gave her earlier and she starts talking about how long West and Davis have been gone and how she thinks they are probably dead. This starts to freak the other soldiers out and they start to get nervous. One turns to look out the window and immediately sees a red-eyed, blood-covered, crazed-looking Mailer staring back at him. Mailer bursts through the window and pukes blood all over the soldier, infecting him. He begins to shake and jerk and takes off running through the hallway. Mitchell then takes Selena and Hannah hostage at gunpoint, and then we see Jim watch the soldiers get attacked by the infected in the kitchen. Hannah runs off from Mitchell and Selena to another room, and Jim kills Jones as he enters the house. Soon after, we see Major West finally arrive at the mansion to find Jones's body lying in the doorway. Uh, Jim ends up in the attic where he hears Mitchell with Selena in a room below him. He sneaks over and hops down into the room to confront Mitchell. How the fuck did he hop down from the attic? I couldn't see, I couldn't see like a hole or I, I, I couldn't see how he jumped from the attic into the room. Like, like what, what is there? Like, is there like an attic door? I, 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 I just it, couldn't it was see just a hole in the ceiling, I guess. That's weird. Uh, yeah, it was a strange, strange place to just have a square cut out in the ceiling. I didn't care for this too much. Everything he does up until this point is kind of a stretch. Because this guy's not like a badass at all. Like this whole movie, he hasn't been like a badass. But, you know, he's coming to, to save these girls. Obviously, he's going to do some cool shit. Everything he does up until this point is pretty believable. But he like jumps from the attic and hits the ground and doesn't make any noise. Like the guy doesn't even react. Yeah, he's like looking then, out the window. And then runs across the room and attacks him. Which I love the attacking scene. I thought this this next scene, whole scene's awesome. Well, but uh, I just, I felt like it was a, another thing that was a lot, a, a big stretch for Jim's character. Well, I I feel like it was really convenient too because he runs into that room where that one soldier's hiding under the bed and then the infected try to get in and he goes out of the window. And he ends up in an attic. And then the attic he ends up in, it just happens to be directly above his like girlfriend and the evil guy he's trying to kill. It's like in this whole mansion. It was just, a, it's a big coincidence. 
Well, that he, his escape route just happened to be. He had no idea where they were in the house. Like he can't well, it's like track them. The, where they were at was like a separate side of the mansion, like cut off from the rest. Because he just so happens to dip out of this window before Mailer comes in and kills the other guy. And he gets his escape route out of the window, and it just so happens he goes right over to the other side of the mansion from the first-story roof and goes over to the other side that they just happen to be in. Uh, and then there just happens to be a fucking hole or something cut out like of the a fucking ceiling in the room that he needed to get into. Yeah, it's it's extremely convenient. That's extremely. What, that's <laughs> what I said. You know... Uh, and this whole thing that he's doing is not so much as him being badass. He does get a couple kills in before this point, but it's a lot of him just being super slick and just like running through and hiding from these zombies while these zombies wipe everybody out. And it, it it's a it's a stretch, but it is it's believable. It's possible. Yeah, it's possible. It's possible. But him jumping through the fucking ceiling landing on the ground, and then he has to run all the way across the room and the guy not reacting to it, that, I thought, was just didn't make any sense. Kind of similar to when he kills that kid that ends up saying, I hate you, the zombie kid. So in that scene, the zombie kid jumps down from the ceiling. I don't know where he came from. I know if there was an attic in that little building. Looked like a flat roof building. I don't know where the kid came from. But he makes no noise. Like, he literally falls to the ground and runs up behind him, and it makes no noise. Yeah, so he runs over, and he grabs Mitchell and begins to slam his head into the brick wall. He then slams Mitchell onto the ground and gouges his fucking eyeballs out with his thumbs. And it looks awesome. Yeah, this this whole kill, the slamming of the head over and over again, and then the gouging of the eyes, I fucking... The awesomeness and the practical effects combined with how much I hated this fucking guy that he's killing made this awesome, awesome kill. So Mitchell is screaming like a little bitch as Jim is digging his thumbs deeper and deeper into his eye sockets. He's raping his holes. Yeah, he he literally like gets almost his whole entire thumbs. Like his his thumbs are now in this guy's brain. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. He, Which kills Mitchell. He is He's dead. He is finger fucking this guy's brain super hard right now. He is he's DP in it. Yeah. Devil penetration in the guy's brain. And Jim is now covered in his blood. Selena, believing Jim is infected, grabs her machete and moves towards Jim. Jim quickly gets up and moves towards her. She goes to kill him with the machete, but hesitates. She then sees that Jim's eyes are normal, and he says, that was longer than a heartbeat. They then start to kiss when suddenly Hannah comes in and hits Jim in the head with a bottle, thinking that he is infected and was eating Selena's face. They all hear the sounds of infected coming and decide to run to the taxi to escape. Hannah jumps in the driver's seat as Jim and Selena go to get in the back. As Jim opens the door, Major West is sitting there and shoots Jim in the stomach. Hannah puts the car in reverse and backs the car up to the infected at the front door. Mailer bursts through the rear glass of the taxi and grabs West by the neck. Hannah then speeds off, allowing Mailer to pull West out of the car to eat him. Jim and Selena get into the car and speed off. 
Hannah must burst through the mansion's locked front gate and then the screen goes black. We then see it has been 28 more days later and Jim wakes up in a bedroom of a small cottage. He has survived his gunshot wound and has a bandage around his abdomen. We see Hannah and Selena working on some fabrics and then hear the sounds of a plane. We get a shot of the infected who have uh, started to starve to death and appear to be too weak to move. Hannah runs to tell Selena and Jim it is coming and they all three run outside. They begin stretching out large portions of white and red fabric and we then see a plane quickly approaching. And Jim, Hannah, and Selena begin waving their arms in the air like they just don't care. We then get a high above shot and we see that the fabric is laid out to spell hello in big white letters. We then hear the pilot of the plane radio back to the base to get a helicopter out to this location. And that is the end. Yeah, so I don't know if it was the zombies are so weak that they can't move or is this just how they act in daylight and why people can move about freely in the daylight no um no i believe in the second one they talk about how pretty much like a couple months into it the zombies actually essentially just starved to death yeah i guess we don't know how far in the future this is uh yeah so it's, I guess it it's two been. months oh yeah, yeah they took 28 yeah. more days later mm-hmm. yeah also the the pilot um i'm pretty sure was Italian. He was Finnish. Finnish. Okay. Mm-hmm. Thought I thought it, Italy would have made more sense for them to be flying over, but I'm I'm be honest. I'm not quite sure where Finland is. I know Italy's close. It's on the map somewhere. Uh, it's just somewhere, <laughs> somewhere over there. Uh, man, how fucking grim of an ending would it have been had Selena or Hannah after that killed him? I thought that they were going to go that route for a second. When he first gouges the guy's eyes out mm. and Selena like starts to go at him with the machete, I, I really thought that they were going to go that route. And I'm like, oh, they decided not to. And then they added the cute like one-liner. That was a lot more than a second. And then Hannah comes in. And I'm like, oh, that's even better. Like Hannah's going to fucking kill him. Why? He's kissing her. I mean, like, how grim of a fucking ending would that have been? And then I thought they were going to go grim ending. I thought for sure there was going to be a grim ending. It's a fucking zombie movie. thought there was going to be something. That he was going to wake up in the bed and start it all over. Like, he wakes <laughs> up in the bed and they're gone. And he's by himself again. And he has to literally start over from scratch. Yeah, the original ending, he actually dies from the Major West gunshot. And that tested really bad so yeah, they decided terrible. they couldn't kill they couldn't kill jim so. yeah that that's terrible i don't think it as much as a, him being killed just he can't be killed by mayor west um, the governor cannot get a, the kill and on the main character that's horrible uh I don't know if you picked up on it too, because because they they filmed this original ending and then it tested really bad, so they had to actually call the three actors back in to film this new ending and um this new ending is not filmed on the small camera is actually filmed 
in right on regular cameras that's why it looks so different yeah yeah i didn't i didn't catch it but now that you say it having well, just watched the movie that whole end scene is so much brighter and clearer than the rest of the movie it doesn't have that like dim color palette either um, very bright yeah yeah it definitely definitely uh it's a completely different feel from the rest of the movie so interesting that they i thought it was i thought it was kind of a weird ending uh Happy ending, but I felt like too happy of an ending for a zombie movie. I'm glad that he didn't die from the gunshot wound. I thought that would have been a horrible ending. It would have been a stupid way to kill off the main character of the movie by the main villain of the movie. But I thought it would have been super grim had Hannah or Selena accidentally killed him thinking he was infected. Like, I'm sure that would attest horrible too because people hate most people hate those crim endings, but I think a lot of like big horror fans enjoy them. I think the ending would probably work better in a show where the audience has that time to come back episodes later and kind of get over that um, with whatever character ends up kind of taking that spot of a main character role. But in a movie, you know, that's so final. It's so boom. That's that story. It's a closed chapter. Look, look at how they end a lot of zombie movies. Like, look at Dawn of the Dead, the remake. Like, no, they're, they all they're, die. They fucking literally get to an island and they're attacked by a whole island of fucking zombies, and that's the end of the movie. Yeah, like, I think the difference with that is though is one, there's not a not everybody watches the end credit scenes, and two, we don't actually see the characters themselves die. We just see the zombies running at them, and well, they, th- that, but that's it. They could have had it where Hannah walks in, and she's got like a, a weapon, that machete or something, where she had something, and they were kissing, and she comes up behind and like reaches down like she's about to hit him, and then it goes black. I think people would have accepted that better than they accepted him just flat out dying. but Because people get that whole, well, there's a, there's a chance... It worked out, and compared yeah. to that final, it definitely didn't work out. Yeah, you would have to make it very uh, inconspicuous. You'd have to cut it at the right time, where people always have that. I think this happened, but I'm not quite sure. Because when you have endings like that, a lot of people will just decide, okay, this is how I wanted it to end, and that's how it's going to be. Uh, it's, it's not so final. So for the hospital scenes in the beginning of the film... They used a real functional hospital. This particular hospital is open on weekdays only and closes for the weekend, frequently renting out the building for production of shows and movies. The benefits to this arrangement is that the rental fees go directly towards the hospital's trust fund. Uh, so the picnic celebration scene were actually filmed on September 11th of 2001. According to the actors, it felt strange and disconcerting to be filming happy scenes during the 9-11 terrorist attacks. They found it very difficult to put on a happy face during such a sad time. That, that is, uh, that's a really crazy fact of the movie. Yeah. Wow. It makes you, I'm like, I'm thinking back on that scene now, and I'm just, I don't know. It's just a creepy feeling when you when you're 
if you watch that scene and knowing what day that was when that happened. Yeah, and um, this is, I mean, it's kind of a loose connection, but so if you think about that, and then a couple episodes ago, we covered the uh, Gretel and Hansel movie. The director, Oz Perkins, his mother actually died that day on the 9-11 terrorist attacks. Mm, yeah, yeah, that's crazy. It's kind of weird thinking, you know, with them being English, that it was as big of a deal where they were, uh, like, I know it obviously would be a big deal, but it was such a big deal here. I think sometimes we forget how big of a deal it was across the entire world. And you hear something like that, and, you know, that's something that still sticks with them. Yeah. Um, the, the actually, the the scene where he comes across all of the missing um, flyers, the director said that this was filmed before September 11th, like right before. And he said that the film actually got a lot of heat when the movie came out because that was a big thing that actually happened at um, in New York where a lot of people had these flyers up of missing family members that were missing from the World Trade Center. Mm, yeah, and they had a yeah. very similar thing, and he basically, you know, the the people thought that the film was um, kind of using something that happened in real life. Yeah, it was too soon, and he would try to make it clear that that was done before. You know, he didn't he didn't actually. Um, I think the original reason he put that in there was because he actually seen a photograph of that after like a like a tsunami or something had hit somewhere and he thought that that was because he like i said he used a lot of inspirations from real human disasters in this movie to make it more realistic and um but yeah they they caught a lot of heat for that and he you know i felt bad because they didn't know they didn't have any idea that was going to happen it's crazy that that was such a big thing that that happened to some musicians that happen to people in movies. Uh, it's kind of weird that people would even put that together because that's such a, a loose connection. Uh, but I do remember the posters being out there, but I'm sure that's not the first disaster that's happened where there's probably been many of those where people's have posters out. Uh, maybe not many of them, but that is the same kind of similar thing happened to System of a Down. Yeah, yeah they, with their song. Uh, um uh, yeah that 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 song got like banned from the radio for months and they're like no we wrote this song be way before september 11th like had nothing to do with september 11th people were like yeah fucking right we don't care so the physical inspiration of the rage virus was actually inspired by the ebola virus Some of these symptoms are rashes, bleeding from pretty much everywhere, projectile vomiting of blood, and red eyes. In the graphic novel, 28 Days Later, The Aftermath, it is confirmed that the reason it has these Ebola symptoms is because scientists used Ebola as a carrier in the design process of the rage virus. If you have never looked into what what is called the crash of Ebola, Read the it. book. Yeah. Uh, no. So the the book is called the Hot Zone, and uh, the Hot Zone is a book I read when I was I don't know sixteen or seventeen, but it is the story of how Ebola came to be, 
And um, you have different stages of the virus. And, you know, there's stage one, stage two. But the, the worst stage is what they call the crash. And it's basically when your body just can't take anymore. And basically your insides turn to liquid, which is why you literally start expelling blood out of every hole in your body. And the reason that Ebola spread was because they they didn't obviously know what it was originally it didn't exist previously and the doctors wheeled you know one of the first patients in i think it was the first patient and he literally projectile vomited blood all in their face but it is unreal like go look into the crash of ebola the to hear someone describe what the crash from that virus is like is gruesome it is a very gruesome death yeah i remember being a kid when you read that book and you coming and telling me like all the the symptoms and stuff that happens it was so scary i remember that that has stuck with me like my entire life yeah it's it's so bad man that if you got ebola and they couldn't do anything for you like just shoot yourself (laughs) it would be way better because it is it sounds like you literally will bleed from your eyeballs like and i'm not talking about like slightly bleed like you will bleed bleed from your eyeballs from everywhere like whenever you when you look at the chernobyl like the people the firefighters and stuff and they you know after a couple days when their body starts like bleeding from the inside out and they're fucking falling apart Every like every bad thing that you could think of starts happening to them. It's it's rough. Your skin doesn't fall off, but uh, you definitely start your body loses its ability to clot blood, and it it just starts pretty sure just draining out of your fucking capillaries. And if that's how you say that word, I'm pretty sure I said that right. Uh, but yeah, it's pretty gruesome. Not not uh, something that you want to catch. Yeah, e- Ebola very much looks like this movie. It, it, I mean, I know you see this movie and you think, oh, it's a movie. But no, Ebola is very similar uh, death as, as something like this. You just don't uh, violently try to attack and eat people. No, you're too weak for that, but... Um, so, and finally, Danny Boyle and Alex Garland were adamant about the film having a layer of social commentary. The story is meant to criticize our society for doing very little to deal with a culture of anger and violence. The virus itself was designed to amplify the anger already in each of us rather than create a fabricated rage. I thought that was interesting. Yeah. Um, so, ratings and kill count. The kill count is too high to count. It is pretty much all of the UK. They're all dead. Yeah, all they, dead. They I, did not. Uh, they did not skimp on the dead bodies. I tried to look the kill count up. It is very long. <laughs> did they really try to kill count all the bodies in this movie? Yeah, they There's did. Like fucking 150 they, people in the church. They tried. That the they did. Scenes. They counted the people in the church. Everything. That's it. I'm. I don't just even know how you would count all them all though. They're like they're stacked so much that people are almost laying on top of each other. That's what um, makes that scene so awesome. 78 church corpses is what they count. Yeah, that that's what makes that scene so awesome is you can't even tell it's corpses. There's so many people laying on top of each other. And then when he makes that noise and those two pop up and look at him, you, that's when your brain realizes, 
oh my god, that's people. And I think that's what makes that scene so good. So favorite kill, I'm up first, my pick. Uh, of course, it is Corporal Mitchell. Mr. Yeah. Douche, douchebag himself. I don't even need to go. Fuck that guy. His uh, his his brain getting finger fucked to death was definitely 100% the icing on the cake. Good stuff. Um, rating. So here we go. I rated this movie. I'll, I'll admit I was wrong before. I rated this movie a 3.6. Um, I think the, the pros for this was the zombies look awesome. These are great looking zombies. Phenomenal job. Uh, London like looks awesome. Like the whole, you know, especially considering what they had to work with was a a very tiny amount of time each time. I thought the characters were okay. You know, not too great, but not bad. Um, I will say that the things that I disliked about the movie is I'm not a big fan of kind of the middle of the movie. There's a lot of stuff that feels weird and out of place, which, you know, we already talked about those scenes. I don't think the zombies are consistent either. You know, we talked a little bit about that, where sometimes they're supposed to be these rage zombies, but then they sneak up on you. Like, a- another example is, like, Mailer looking through the window. You know, he was, like, running with a chain dragging behind him, screaming. It almost and then seemed- now he's, like, you know, Navy sealed his way up to the second floor window. And it's just like, look, and that that kind of stuff just is not consistent for me. It almost seemed like with him that they were going to do like a, uh, like he still was kind of deep down in it. Like there was still part of him that understood a little bit of what, what was going on. And he was attacking all them for chaining him up and probably fucking torturing him. And then the kid, the kid saying, I hate you, that they, they dropped that in there for some reason. Like, he is the only zombie who speaks in the entire movie. Uh, the two zombies that jump in the house uh, in the beginning. and in Yeah, parents, yeah I agree. That's just some out of place stuff. Yeah, I mean, I like the movie overall. I would like it more if I could do an edit and take out some shit. Like, I'd take out the supermarket scene. I would take out that whole entire where they stop to get gas and he kills that kid. I would take all that out. Uh, I hate the tunnel scene. I would just take that out. <laughs> like, yeah, the, the only cool thing in the tunnel scene, I will say, is the shot that you get of the silhouettes, the shadows yeah, yeah. of the zombies running. Other, other than that, they can ditch the rest of that. But yeah, I mean, other than that, I like the movie. And I, I, th- I thought... It had okay pacing and stuff. But yeah, I gave it a 3.6. I have a a much better outlook on the movie than I did before. All right, I gave it a 3.8. This is really hard for me to rate. There's there's some things I I really loved about the movie, and there's some things I fucking hated. Uh, I thought the look and feel of the movie was good. As far as the, like, dark color palette, very apocalyptic, and the film grain I actually liked. I liked that they shot it to feel like an old-school zombie movie. You know, I thought that was really cool. What I didn't like, as far as cinematography goes, was the fact that the cameraman had Parkinson's disease, apparently. (laughs) I don't know. I'm surprised you didn't mention that. There's some weird shots in this that I, I just don't understand. So the cameraman definitely had Parkinson's or something going on because some of these scenes are so shaky 
Like, I get they tried to put it a little shaky because they were trying to give it that old school horror zombie feel to it, but some of them are just so bad, it, it almost starts giving me a headache. And then also, the camera guy, like, they shoot a ton of scenes in this movie way too close up. Yeah. Like, they literally get so zoomed in on the on the character's face that it's... I, I just, I don't understand that. I don't get why they did that at all. It didn't make any sense to me. They do it throughout the entire movie. They also do that thing uh, that a lot of newer horror movies do where they, like, especially during the action shots where somebody's getting killed, they use, like, seven different camera angles and they literally jump between them so fast when action's happening. Do that with the, they did that with the gas station. Yeah, they did that with the kill when she when she chops the first guy up after she cuts his arm off. The cameras start flipping everywhere. They do that with a bunch of the kills. The only kill actually that they don't do that with is him gouging uh, the guy's eyes out at the end. That's the only one we really get to see from one camera angle, and it is the best one. And I wonder if they do that to save money on practical effects because when they do that, they don't have to have practical effects because they're literally just jumping camera angles around but anyway i hated that those three things kind of really drove me nuts throughout the movie i thought the practical effects that we did get were really good thought the look of the zombies was really good thought they looked creepy as fuck Uh, i loved that they didn't hold back on like rotting bodies and blood splatter which are both crucial in a zombie movie Thought overall it was a good mix of, of old school feel mixed with a much faster paced version of zombies. I would say if you're if you're a fan of those type of movies, you'll probably enjoy this. Yeah, uh, this was, I want to say this was the first movie that did fast zombies. I'm pretty positive about that. Zombies were before that, you know, the ghouls, you know, the slow moving um, come out of the they came out of their graves or whatever and wanted brains, you know. Uh, this was the first one, and then I guess that's why a lot of people try to argue and say that they're not zombies; they're they're infected, w- whatever. Um, that kind of makes a little more sense, though. I, but, I can see their argument a little more. Uh, I didn't really think about them being the first ones to do the fast zombies. But yeah, this this was the first movie to do the fast zombies, and then we seen. The that that version of zombies in um, Dawn of the Dead not long after this, and then you know we kind of started seeing that a lot more. Those zombies are for sure zombies, though they're like fucking rotting corpses. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it's a it it's a good film. I I definitely regret my dislike of it before, but I understand it because they're. Some of the same problems I had with it then are the same problems I have with it now, but I'm willing to look past them, and I understand some of them. I understand some of the decisions. Yeah, I don't really like the 480p a ton. I'm okay with it. I would have liked it a little better if it would have been just one notch higher. I, I can agree with that. There was certain parts of this movie that... I didn't dislike. I would rather it be what it was than not have the graininess at all because I liked the old school feel that it had, but it could have been, they could have increased it a little bit. They kind of did it in a really dramatic way. 
Like they they did it all the way, like 110%. They did the graininess. There's that shot where he's watching the footage of his like parents or whatever in his parents' house where he has the projector playing. And because that's already grainy footage, and then they shot it on a on very grainy, not very good, very low definition. That whole scene in that projector, you can't hardly tell what's going on. You, you notice they they opened the fucking shutter way up on that bitch too, like that. That is everything is it's so bright of a scene, and it's kind of little like slow motiony. Yeah, because it's supposed to be that like in his head memory version, and it looks like they kind of turned the exposure up on on it as well. I mean, it's just so bright. But I mean, they may yeah. not have it. May just be the shutters just so damn open. But yeah, yeah it definitely looks like the exposures turned way up. Not sure exactly their process. They could have did that a couple different ways, but that the brightness combined with the graininess of the the camera that they filmed it on makes it extremely hard to to it just looks really bad like it almost it almost looks like a i don't know like the graininess of a fucking 1950s movie or something it's it's pretty rough yeah it, like i said this movie was was hard for me to rate because it, it it was a movie I didn't watch because you told me it was bad. You told me it was you, no. You told me it was fucking terrible. Yeah, to never watch the movie, so I didn't ever watch the movie. And I will say that I didn't think it was a bad movie. I I got really curious over the over the last I don't know five six years because I see it come up on a lot of people's list of favorite horror movies, and why I definitely wouldn't put it up there with my favorite horror movie. I thought it was a good movie. There was some things, though, like the fucking random scenes with their road trip. Those, like, three scenes that they put in there, two specifically being one, the tunnel and the grocery store, I thought was really fucking weird. I thought there was some out-of-place scenes, like his dream scene. Like, we didn't need all that. thought it didn't really add to the story, and it added to what is already a long movie. Um, and then some of the cinematography decisions, like the shaky camera and being zoomed in way too much, uh, that, that really kind of took a couple points down. I think if you fixed those, those three things, this movie could have probably at its max been a 4.2, but those, those things definitely take it down. Well, once again, we thank you guys for listening. Please give us a follow or like if you enjoyed the show. Check out the website. Check out the socials. Tell a friend, a family member, or your rage virus infected neighbor about the show. We hope to see you next time. You got any last words? I gotta go return some videotapes. <laughs> you know, Frank, we, we still love you even though you're a, a horse girl. <laughs> <laughs>